Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. Hi, Bobby. Welcome to the to the podcast. Really appreciate you being here. Um, why don't you tell the listeners uh, uh, who you are, a um, your, your, little bit of your transition story, a little bit of your career, and you know why you're here today. Yeah, Joel, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to rejoin you guys. This is the second opportunity I've gotten to do one of these with Cameron Brooks. And, uh, you know, from me to you, Joel, you know, I've just genuinely appreciated our relationship and our partnership and all the ways you've helped me the 12 years since I've transitioned into corporate America. You just made me feel old. 12 years. (laughs) (laughs) So for both of us, for both of us. So, you know, but experience is a great thing. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's uh, good to be with everyone on the podcast uh, virtually here. Um, my name is um, Bobby Eisenhart. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I was a uh, six-year U.S. Army field artillery uh, officer. Um, I purposely went into the military kind of knowing that I wanted a career in business, uh, but eventually uh, would want to go into the, the business uh, world, uh, found Cameron uh, Brooks and uh, partnered with them. Um, as soon as I sat down with them, I knew exactly it was the right move for um, me personally. Um, got into manufacturing uh, after uh, the, the military, and that's where I've spent the last 12 years. I've worked for various consumer goods companies in uh, forward-facing operational roles, strategic supply chain roles. So uh, I've done everything at, from night shift supervisor where I finished, uh, I started out uh, all the way through plant manager. So um, most recently, uh, I joined uh, Boston Beer Company uh, three years ago. Um, we make brands like uh, Samuel Adams, Twisted Tea, and Truly. Um, and that was a really great transition, Joel. And you know, you helped me prepare for that interview uh, as I went in and for the first time interviewing with C-suite executives uh, in in that career in, in that career move. So, um, uh, in my role with them, I was the head of operational excellence, and we were going through a huge growth uh, trajectory where I built from the ground up their operational excellence program and their manufacturing program about uh, the future. So. Um, recently, I was just promoted into associate director of operations for them, um, and now uh, I'm in charge of the large packaging uh, operation, and uh, been in that role for three weeks now. And and the reason you're here, and the reason why I decided to do this podcast is the biggest reason. Well, I think what we're talking about is one of the main reasons you were hired into that role is your scores previously in other roles about team, team member engagement, and just how important with the size of the team that you have, that you lead, um, being engaged with that team. And that was the genesis of having this uh, this podcast is uh, you've done that at your previous companies. You're going to do this now in the role where that operational excellence role was more of an individual contributor. Sure, you were working with people, but it was cross-functionally and up, but 
you know, you weren't leading the team uh, directly like you are now. And we were having a conversation here at Cameron Brooks about if we want to do a podcast about how important team member engagement is there and how junior officers can leverage their skills to, to you know, help team members and organizations feel engaged. And that's really important to organizational health. Um, it's like, I've got the perfect person to, to do the podcast with. We've been talking about this. And that brought you to, to the episode. So I'd love to just, what do you define? What, what is this word employee or team member engagement? Yeah. Anyone who's transitioning and anyone who's made the transition is going to hear a lot. And it is a super important to any organization. It really is the thing that fuels culture and culture fuels results. So, um, I have a little bit of framework that I that I'm going to provide for everyone. Um, but first, before we go into that, I want to talk about what it is not because sometimes it gets confounded with a couple things that are in, important. But it's it, it's uh, just as important to say what it is not. So um, there's three things. So always the issue of paying compensation um, uh, comes into play whenever you talk about engagement. What I will say. Paying compensation is absolutely important, and you have to take that issue off the table uh, for your employees. People have to be perceived and feel like they are uh, fairly compensated, okay? But um, more will not necessarily drive um, more engagement. Two, uh, it's very easy to get wrapped up in this idea of employee engagement, of everyone being on cloud nine 100% of the time. It, it's just not the, the way it works, right? Um, uh, employee engagement is the summation of each individual uh, morale, right? And morale is an important thing. And uh, I actually think that um, General Petraeus had a, um, a very deft answer to what morale is. Um, I remember back to my time um, when I was in Iraq and, and uh, me and my unit, we just got back from patrol. We went to the chow hall and on the TV was General Petraeus testifying before Congress uh, about the status of, of the war and how things were going. And while a senator had asked a very leading question, um, you know, trying to get a faded answer, out of a general Petraeus and uh, the senator said, General, please tell us how the morale of the troops are. And he had a, just a beautiful and eloquent answer. He said, well, Senator, you need to realize that morale is an individual in that, and it varies by individual. And that always stuck with me. And I've taken that with me for the rest of my time. And I always think about that as I interact you know, with my different coworkers throughout the day, they may be going through something different that day uh, that may affect that. But I got to remember it's about the individual. Um, them around. And the third component is really, you know, this is like any important relationship in your life. It goes through ebbs and flows and it needs to be actively worked on. Anyone who's cared, anyone who's been in a committed relationship for a while understands that. What 
Why is it so important to the organizational's effectiveness to have employee engagement or to have that something that's talked about or addressed or even measured? Yeah. Well, it's because it's the emotional fuel that keeps us going, right? Uh, corporate America is tough. Um, just like the military is tough. We have tough objectives. We have demands. Um, and it's hard. Well, it's our emotional well-being that keeps us fueled and wanting to go. So it's really up to leaders um, to keep that at the highest level possible to get through these very tough objectives and always accomplishing um, the next thing in, in your business plan. And um, do you see like financial differences in like financial results maybe in your world like is there a metric that's tied when you can see team member engagement scores because you measure that relative to like i don't know cost savings quality productivity do you see any correlation between those numbers you, you absolutely can um and at at the end of the day right engagement needs to come first those financial metrics that we're all accountable for in business are actually a, a lagging indicator of that. Um, and for me, you can't have a well-run business until you have uh, good levels of, of engagement. So um, the latter drives the form. And when we were, what what are the, when we were, before we getting on the call, we were talking about this a little bit. I want to see if I could pull this through. You told us what it's not, you know, it's not, pay and compensation that you know so you get the baseline things taken care of that's not ultimately going to help people feel engaged and happy at work i think we were talking about um, i was reviewing like the 50 best places to work in one of the magazines and a lot of those like they have beer in the fridge they have company picnics they sponsor these trips and i think those are all great those are good to like keep light light life light and free and happy but in the end engagement is really in in allowing people to thrive and succeed is more than giving them time to um, flex their work hours or being able to have go off work and have a beer. That's important for building community and being supported. But from the actual, the core of like what is most important at building team member engagement? Yeah, it's a great question. And you know, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit. Oh, and I have to interrupt. You know? I have to interrupt. I'm sorry. I'm telling you, like, hey, it's not a big deal to have beer in the fridge. And yet I'm talking yeah. about how you make beer. So, so sorry about that. So we love having beer in the fridge. And uh, so uh, uh, I'm lucky enough to work at a place like that. But to your point, it's not the real driver, right? It's not the real predictor of high levels of engagement. I think the best framework for this, and I would really encourage the people uh, listening to this podcast, uh, read Dan Pink's book, Drive. Um, uh, he has uh, uh, three parts to his framework for employee engagement. The first one is autonomy. Right? Do people have the freedom of movement to get the job done in the best way possible using the best of their intellect, judgment, and, and reasoning. Right. That's so important that we as leaders build the right processes 
and have the right resources in place that people can be autonomous uh, in their work and get the job done in the best way that they uh, in the way that they feel is best. Number two is mastery. People want to be good at their job. So in, in my world, what that means that uh, people know their equipment well. When the equipment fails, they understand why and what needs to happen uh, to, uh, to make that uh, repair and to eliminate that defect from ever happening again, right? They understand our safety and quality uh, protocols, right? If you work for a you know surgical device company, it might knowing that product inside and out and what it can and what benefit it can provide both the patient and and the doctor and the third is is purpose right and all of us uh in, in the military come from a, a background of you know selfless service and serving something bigger than ourselves and the same is true here in corporate america people want to contribute. They want to know that their work is important. They want to know that their products matter, uh, uh, whether you're a B2B um, uh, corporation or you're a B2C corporation. Uh, they want to know that what they do uh, matters to the customer. And and so why why is a, junior, a big part of why we're doing this is to demonstrate how come junior officers are good at this? What do they learn? What do they learn in the military? Because one would think in the military, you're just telling people what to do. You have rank. Um, yeah. And I know the people who listen to the military know you can't get things done like this, but how come military officers can be such a force for building great organizations, keeping them in, engaged? Or in other words, why do organizations need junior military officers? They have this place where people have autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to work uh, back up the list, right? And I'm going to start with purpose. And that's what everyone who comes from a junior military officer background understands inherently and intrinsically, right? Uh, they decided to serve a purpose other than themselves, you know, whether that be four, six, eight, 12 years, they decided to get back. And so that's just a part of their being. And when they bring that part of their being to corporate America, it tends to spread, right? They don't give up that value. Mastery, the military is one of the greatest training organizations uh, in, in the world. And really, to have mastery, you have to have that, that training. You have to understand what it's being good at your craft. And uh, military officers are really good at that side-by-side on shoulder to shoulder being there with the people. So whether you're a manufacturing professional like me and you're out on the floor with your lines and you know building your junior leaders, uh, 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 building up your operators and mechanics, or you're let's say you're at the opposite end of the business spectrum, you're a sales professional, right? And you're spending time with your customer, uh, you're you're spending time with your your junior sales uh, leaders. You understand the importance of making people good at it. And the last one's autonomy, which, you know, I could argue a, a little bit both ways. You know, the, the military is very doctrine-based, very 
uh, uh, process uh, uh, base. And sometimes people may feel a little bit of lack of autonomy uh, coming uh, from the military. Uh, what I'll say in corporate America is, you know, we're just a much thinner organization, um, uh, you know, just by nature of, of what we do. Um, you might lead a group of 12 and that's the, that's the equivalent, um, responsibility of, of, a battalion commander. Um, but what, um, what a military officer understands really well is you might be the only one out there in the mission. You might be in a situation, uh, in the absence of guidance and the presence of ambiguity. And knowing that you need to make good decisions in those moments and we need to prepare for those moments so maybe you're on a sales call and a customer um comes to you with a complaint that you weren't expecting how do you react in that situation and how do you respond in a way to preserve that customer's trust right uh you might be on the shop floor in a manufacturing in environment and uh an incident happens that you don't expect and work planning on and you need to be able to react uh to that um you might be the most senior person around and so you have to be good and you have to be comfortable in those environments and jmo is bring that from day one so let's pull this all the way through as we kind of conclude the the webinar or this podcast excuse me where talked about what engagement is what it's not why it's important that does impact the performance of an organization um, gave the gave our audience a book to, that they can check out, Drive by Daniel Pink. We're a big Daniel Pink company here. We love Drive. We also really like his book, uh, To Sell as Human, by the way. I'm going to plug in for that. Um, what does it look like for you specifically, Bobby? What does engagement like look like? An act? Maybe walk us through like the last week. What have you been doing to drive engagement? Yeah. So, you know, um, right now I've pretty big organization, you know, over 300 people, I have, you know, uh, three different, uh, levels of, of leaders at, at various levels of, uh, their career. And, you know, what it is, it looks a lot like, uh, a day in the motor. It's going down there, greeting everyone. Hey, how's your day going? What's working? Oh, what do you need? Uh, you don't have something that you need. Let's figure out how we get it coaching your junior leaders. Hey, how's the plan coming together today? Oh, you had something happen that wasn't expected. Are you prepared to deal with that? Oh no, you're having, you're having a difficult time dealing with that. Well, let's talk through a couple scenarios and how we can solve that together. So you're better prepared for the next time it happens, right? It's, it's being present. It's being attentive. It's being responsive every day. Very good, Bobby. Thanks for thanks for sharing that all with us and uh, being the two-time guest now on the Camera Rooks podcast that either says that you're really good at what you do or we've been doing the podcast long enough now that we have uh, somebody repeating. Um, but I do think that this was just a really good serendipitous, I think that might be the word, where we were kicking this around and you and I were talking about this next job that you were going to go into and we were talking about the reason that you were being considered for it was how good you were at this. So we appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Uh, with the listeners and uh, we'll put in the link for or in the, in the podcast where people can learn more about you on LinkedIn as well as put the, uh, the link to Daniel Pink's book in there as well. Uh, but thanks for being a guest. Uh, thank you, Joel. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, PCS to Corporate America. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Bobby Eisenhart. And on November 9th, my colleague Pete Van Epps is going to host another episode. And this time he's going to interview a Cameron Brooks alumnus and talk about the value of starting preparation and planning early, well in advance of making the transition. Um, you know, many of our officers start uh, about 10 months before they actually attend a career conference in terms of their planning and preparation. Uh, most come to a career conference two months before they actually start terminal leave. So a great time to start thinking about the transition and developing a plan and preparing is more like a year to 18 months out. So if that's in you and this, that camp, it's a great episode to listen to and about what you can get if you start with Cameron Brooks early in the process.